Welcome to Your Health Guide, your how-to prescription for better health, translating cutting-edge research for your everyday life. Join naturopath and health educator Lawrence Katsaris for practical tips and insights to help you on your wellness journey. Welcome back to Your Health Guide. I'm Lawrence Katsaris, and today I've got a very special guest for you, Dr. Adrian Lepresti. Dr. Lepresti is a well-respected clinical psychologist and researcher that achieves success with patients by taking a holistic approach that gets to the crux of why you're experiencing mood changes in the first place. He's the founder of the Personalized Integrative Therapy, which is a program for mental health care practitioners such as psychologists and psychiatrists that trains them on this integrative approach, helping them achieve greater clinical success in mood and psychiatric conditions. In the episode, Dr. Lepresti shares his clinical tips on how he helps people achieve a happier, more balanced state of living, explaining the importance of addressing multiple facets of our life and health to help improve our mood. We talk about what the main elements of mood-promoting dietary and lifestyle habits are and how to make these changes in incremental ways to make them sustainable and avoid being overwhelmed. Because we all know that when we're stressed or we're not feeling the best, even though we know we need to make these positive changes, they can be difficult. But Dr. Lepresti provides you with a good reference of what you should be aiming for and how to approach it alongside resources that can assist you with making these changes. Breaking it down to the heart of it, Dr. Lepresti raises the question, who do you want to be in six or 12 months? And then walks you through tips and tools that can help you get there. He's a man paving a way that's helping people make hugely positive, lasting changes in their life, and I hope that this episode helps you make and sustain new habits to improve your health and happiness. So thanks so much for joining me on the show, Adrian. No problem. Thanks for having me. Now, as a clinical psychologist, I'm curious to hear about how and why you became involved in using herbal, nutritional and lifestyle medicine. Would you mind just walking us through um, how you got involved in that field? Yeah, I mean, obviously, as a psychologist, you know, we're trained in, in psychological therapies, um, you know, the most popular being cognitive behaviour therapy, and, uh, and they, they can be very effective treatments for, the, uh, for anxiety and depression. However, they don't work for everybody, um, and that's what I was finding was that, uh, you know, psychological therapies were really helpful for some people, for others they're only moderately helpful, for others they weren't kind of working at all. So what I wanted to look at so what it was you know, what other things are affecting people's mood. Um, you know, yeah, we could look at different psychological therapies, but the research shows that they're about as effective as each other. So no one's not necessarily better than the other. So it's really then going, you know, what other things or factors are affecting people's mood? And what the research was showing was that diet and nutrition, uh, nutritional deficiencies, and those types of things were affecting, could have a significant impact on somebody's mood and you know, there was increasing research showing that a Mediterranean diet, for example, was, was protective um, in preventing kind of depression and anxiety. So that's what then led me into doing more and more research into nutrition, uh, diets and other lifestyle factors that can affect people's mood and using that in conjunction with the psychological therapies that I was offering. Fantastic. And so you're saying that with that that holistic and that rounded approach through, as you're saying, through diet, nutrition, and lifestyle medicines alongside some you know, cognitive and psychological um, therapies really helps people get greater success in terms of 
um, in, in terms of their mood disorders? Yeah, I mean, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. So you don't want to put mm. all your energy just in psychological therapies when there's other things that, that might be more pressing for an individual. Um, and so, yeah, if you can uh, improve people's psychological coping skills and emotional coping skills, plus also uh, make positive changes in their diet, plus make several positive changes in their lifestyle, then ultimately each of those are going to, you know, have a positive effect on mood and they're going to add on each other. So if you can have a, a holistic treatment that incorporates all those different areas, then you're going to have a greater likelihood of improving somebody's mood. Yeah, fantastic. It's all just sort of compounding together. And am I right in saying, like, you know, as a naturopath, what I'll see is that nutrition might be able to get people so far and, you know, that's sort of what you're saying is that, you know, psychotherapy may be able to get people so far but then maybe you need nutrition and lifestyle. But it'll also be a factor if someone may be, and I guess this is what you've potentially been seeing is someone may be coming to see you as a, and if you were operating just purely as a as a, as a standard um, psychologist, if someone's got nutritional deficiencies or they're not eating properly or they're not sleeping well enough, it's going to be hard for them to then implement those tools and strategies that you're giving them from a psychotherapy perspective. Would you say? Do you, do you tend to see that? Yeah, I mean that's the thing. You know, I think um, you know the danger that we've got is that. Um, We've got so many terrific treatments out there um, and the problem is that we have different specialisations. So you've got your psychologists who are generally kind of offering your psychological treatments. You've got your naturopaths who are kind of more looking at nutrition and, and, and herbal treatments and supplements and things like that. You've got your, I mean, you've got your medical doctors or your psychiatrists who may be looking at the medical model. but And they're all great. Um, but the problem is we're all doing it separately. So, you know, the psychiatrist is concentrating on one area, psychologist on another. But what about if you had somebody who looked at all those different factors and, and made, you know, positive changes in all those different factors? They don't have to be specialists in those, in those different areas. But, it's, you know, we all have the skills to um, make recommendations about sleep. We all have the skills to make recommendations about diet and uh and you know, if somebody can you incorporate all those different things, then I think we're going to have a far greater likelihood of, of better treatments occurring. For sure, and I think that's what you're seeing with your patients, isn't it? You you're working at it functionally, holistically, and you're seeing fantastic results. And so, what I'd love to hear from you about is you've sort of touched on some of these. So, what are those areas in people's diets or their lifestyle that you're specifically looking at? Are there particular factors that you will assess like you've talked about nutrition so far you've mentioned diet you've mentioned lifestyle factors what are the specific areas of people's life and diet that you'll be looking at to look for areas to improve in well i suppose the first thing is to to then to just ask about their their diet and what kind of foods that they're eating and you know there's a lot of research showing that there's certain foods that can have a positive or a detrimental effect on mood and you know things like uh, you know, your Mediterranean-based diets with your um, your whole grains, your your vegetables, uh, you know your herbs, spices. Those types of foods uh, seem to have a really positive effect on the brain. So I'm kind of looking at um, working with my clients to create positive changes in their diet so they can eat more of those foods and minimise the kind of intake of uh, foods that have a detriment effect on on mood, which include you. Know, your, take away your junk food and things like that um, and then obviously there's there's things like your sleep patterns we know that sleep's extremely important for for mood so if, if that's an issue for somebody then we need to um, you know make changes in that area um, 
from other lifestyle environmental factors is exercise. Uh, you know, that has again has has a positive effect on mood. You're um, even you know spending time out in the sun and uh, and being out in nature. And you know, there's interesting research showing that even you know if you work in an office and your desk is near a window, um, you're going to have a it's going to have a positive effect on your mood compared to a work colleague who doesn't have a window. So it's those little things that seem insignificant, but over time they can have a really positive effect on, on mood. So I'm kind of looking at all those different things. Um, and then the other uh, the other things we just consider is kind of for your, your social engagements, your, your social interactions, your social support systems. And then obviously there's also your, your medical factors that can go on, you know, your, your thyroid health, your sex hormone balance, um, blood sugar balance, all those different things can affect mood. So it's really about... Um, speaking to the person that comes in, uh, asking about all those different factors and coming up with a bit of a formulation about what is it that's causing or impacting on this person's depression or anxiety and how do I then individualise or personalise a treatment based upon that. Yeah, fantastic, because someone might be presenting with depression which may be caused from, you know, potentially, and we'll probably talk about the physiological um, situations that are occurring that drive some of these mood disorders in a little bit, but... We could be saying sort of as a higher level, someone may be uh, suffering from depression because they don't have the right nutritional perspective and a poor diet where someone else may be suffering from that because there may be a disease state, you know, you touched on like hypothyroidism or it could be because they have a lack of social support and engagement. So you're really trying to go through and say, well, where is the weak link or where is it that we need the support and the where's the imbalance in that individual and how do we provide that for them? Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and that, that's the, the danger we've got is when we're, we're too busy trying to come up with the labels for somebody, you know, try to come up with a, a diagnosis, which I'm not a big fan of. Um, yet yeah, it defines a whole constellation of symptoms. And you go, yeah, this person has major depressive disorder or this person um, fulfills a criteria for generalized anxiety disorder or bipolar disorder. But um, that diagnosis doesn't tell us anything about what might be causing uh, the depression or the anxiety in this specific individual. And, and I think that's where we need to be dedicating <clears throat> our resources towards is, is trying to identify the causes um, and not so much, you know, spending all our energy trying to de- define the diagnosis because that doesn't tell us anything about the treatment that we need to offer the, an individual. I think that's a really important point. I think that a lot of the time when i mean in this happens i think in most disease states but people can find out that they've got a label they've got a disease and then we're very good from an orthodox perspective and a classical medicine perspective of saying well that disease produces these symptoms so here's some medication to try and control that you know here's your um, benzodiazepines or here's your antidepressants to help with dealing with your anxiety or your depression where what you're saying here is that well that doesn't really tell us about why you've got that situation why you've got that mood disorder why you're in the situation that you are let's figure that out and let's address that and then that'll help you improve um do you have anything else to kind of say i guess for a lot of people listening they might be like they might have gone down the that road and they're on their medications they're getting some level of support about that for from that but i guess what you're saying here is that that's not completely addressing everything and that's why they're not getting complete resolution and we need to look at you know, those dietary and lifestyle and kind of broader health factors. Is there anything else that you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, from a medication point of view, um, you know, I'm not saying um, that medication is, is necessarily 
um, you know, bad for people. You know, it, it, research does show that p- particularly with severe depression and anxiety, you know, the medication can have have a benefit. But the medication is not necessarily is not necessarily targeting the cause of what's going on for somebody. So if, if somebody is on on an antidepressant um, and and they want to look at what else they can do, it's really then going okay. Well, what else uh, is from a, a, an environmental lifestyle factors um, are impacting on my mood? Am I getting enough exercise? Am I eating well? Am I sleeping well? Am I engaging in pleasant activities and positive, positive activities? What's my psychological skills like? And you can, and then it's going okay. Once I've, you've defined the particular areas that you're, you're struggling in, then looking at seeking treatment for that, or whether that's you educating yourself or um, visiting a naturopath to help you with the dietary side or seeing a psychologist help you with the psychological side or um, even seeing an exercise physiologist to help you with, with the exercise side of things. So, Yeah, really trying to figure out where is it that, that support's required and then who's the best person to help with providing yeah. that support, whether it's dietary intervention or nutritional or, you know, like saying psychological or medication or whatever it might be. It's really looking at a patient-centred approach, isn't it? Now. <clears throat> Something that I'd just like to dive into some detail about something you were talking about there. You basically said, look, the aspects that you're evaluating in someone's life uh, is their diet, their sleep, their exercise, their time outdoors, their sunlight exposure, their social engagement, and any of the rest of any other health situations or health parameters that may be a little bit off out of balance in terms of just diving into some detail on those specifically with diet you mentioned that you're looking at obviously trying to reduce the amount of junk food they're on you indicated that the mediterranean diet could be beneficial is there particular dietary factors that you like to look at for people with mood disorders yeah i think that is um for me it's very individualized so um while i have an ideal diet in mind, I know that there's lots of people who are suffering from depression or anxiety. Who, if you, if you recommend that ideal diet, it can be very overwhelming for them. So, um, I'm not necessarily aiming for that perfect diet unless somebody's coming in and saying, "Yep, I'm ready for it. I'm able to make the changes. I feel capable to be able to do that." Um, so, if so, then it's really then going, "Okay, well, here's here's the ideal diet. Are there particular?" areas that you can or changes that you can make in your diet that at least starts moving you towards that ideal diet so if they're drinking soft drink all the time how can we replace some of your soft drink consumption with uh, water consumption how do we even you know, even better how do we ensure that you filtered water that you're drinking so it might just be starting there how do you um, increase your your uh, vegetable intake so we you know what changes can you make in there so I think it's working with the person that's sitting in front of us. We work collaboratively where we go, here's the ideal diet, here's where you are, let's move towards closer to that ideal diet. What changes are you able to make? How can I help you move closer towards that? And it's not about being perfect. You know, I don't think, um, you know, there's a big craze about gluten-free diets and I think, you know, I do agree that many people are impacted by gluten, but eating a gluten-free diet can be extremely difficult for somebody in general, but if you add that they're also suffering from anxiety or depression, that makes it even more difficult. So I don't want to set them up for failure. So let's just get that diet a little bit better. Let's get you exercising a little bit more. Let's get your sleep better by half an hour. 
let's get you a bit more sunlight and all of those just kind of add on each other. Yeah, nice. In terms of just creating those little little incremental steps week by week or fortnight by fortnight, allowing people to start to move towards a better lifestyle or better health tends to have better results doesn't it something that I like to say is that you're not really looking for perfection you're looking for consistency uh, which I think is what you're saying there it's like there's no point trying to aim for a perfect diet if it's going to overwhelm you and you can't follow it instead let's just look at increasing filtered water and cutting out sugar if that's something that we can do and maintain then that's going to have a better long-term effect yeah and then you add all the other stuff you know the 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 increased sunlight exposure, the kind of uh, taking a bit more time out, all those different things, you know, it's ten, you know just a 10% improvement in all those different areas collectively that has a huge impact. And it's even even from a supplement point of view, it's, it's about kind of then going, okay, you know, here's what I'd love for you to be on, but um, either, you, you know, it may not be affordable for somebody or they may not be willing to do that. Well, let's just get you on a, you know, a couple of core supplements first and, and see how you go from there. Yeah, great. And I'd like to talk about supplements in a little bit, but just while we're still just wrapping up the lifestyle stuff, in terms of looking at ideals, is there any certain amounts of sleep or sunlight exposure or exercise that you try to work towards and say, look, if someone can get to that, you're pretty happy with the amount that they're getting? Like that's that's probably okay from a sleep department or that's probably okay from an exercise level in their life? I think um, with sleep, it can vary so much so you know the recommendation is kind of seven to eight you know seven to nine hours sleep a night but some people can function very very well on 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 less than that um so really i'm I'm asking you know do you feel tired during the day do you feel sleepy during the day um and that kind of gives me a measure of whether they're at whether they're getting enough sleep so if they, they struggle or they feel as though they've you know they're driving and they want to fall asleep or at work they want to fall asleep then we want to try to up the the, the sleep from that perspective um, exercise, you know, I think if they can engage in some form of exercise most days, it doesn't have to be vigorous. It could be just kind of going for a walk um, initially and then they can kind of um, add some resistance training or, or, you know, a couple of days a week and, and go from there. Um, you know, sunlight and being outside, I, mean, I think if they can do some of that most days, and, and that might mean that instead of spending their lunch times if they work in, in, in an office, they better spend their lunch time inside their office. They're just going for a walk um, you know, during their lunch break rather than spending time indoors. Um, you know, even it's even things like you know, one what I haven't mentioned is also just even exposure to your environmental toxins. You know, how do you just start moving to more natural um, soaps and and toothpaste and and cleaners and things like that because even they. Uh, seem to have an impact on our uh, on our hormones, which then impact on our mood. So there's no ideal, but it's just kind of just moving and then going. Okay, mood's improved over the last few weeks. Um, it's not ideal yet. Okay, what's the next steps? What next changes can we make? And then uh, and then kind of working out. All right, now your mood is great. This is kind of where you need to be at in terms of your general self care. Okay, fantastic. In terms of the environmental toxins, I think that's. I'm really glad you brought that up. We did do a. Um, Another, I did another episode with naturopath Claire Murray and we talked about resources and how to go through your home and your environment to look for particular toxins, what particular toxins you should be trying to remove from your environment and resources where you can get safer alternatives for that. And I think that is really important about, you know, that could be influencing someone's hormone levels, those hormone imbalances could be influencing their mood. Um, So I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you. In terms of what you were just saying there is 
basically you kind of look at this in a compounding way by the sounds of it you're saying look let's get a couple of our ducks in line first let's make sure you're sleeping well let's make sure you're eating well let's look at you know then start to add to that like as we move forward how you're feeling well let's start to add in some exercise let's start to add in you know potentially medications or whatever else is that kind of how you're approaching that from a holistic perspective yeah that's exactly how how you how i think you know it needs to be looked at you know it's you know it's very much the, the that holistic integrative approach and just getting it to be good enough and that good enough is different for everybody it's it's you know it's even things like you know you some people who can maintain a healthy weight um, and they're good enough is not that good, you know, so they've got kind of a genetically kind of, um, you know, they won't put on weight. Whereas you've got somebody else who genetically are prone to being overweight and they're good enough is going to have to be a lot better. Um, they're going to have to have a far cleaner diet, more exercise, and that's their balance. We're all individual and we've all got our unique makeup and we're all susceptible to certain kind of conditions and diseases and we've got to make sure that we've, we're engaging in the right behaviors based upon our genes and uh, our what we see on the outside how we feel on the inside is going to give us a good measure of whether we're doing it well enough yeah fantastic i think that's yeah that's a really good point is it's a different it's a, it's very individualized it's a nice spectrum for all of us so to play as devil's advocate for some people going oh look i try and it's really difficult in terms of why these things are so important is, I mean, most people will notice if they sleep more or they get enough sleep, they'll feel better. If they exercise, they'll feel better. But I'm just thinking as you're going through these, in terms of, say, sleep, for instance, it's really important for the body to be sleeping successfully. This is when we're restoring our neurochemistry. This is when we're becoming anti-inflammatory and helping the body heal. And we'll talk later on about the role of inflammation um, in mood disorders, no doubt. In terms of exercise, we, you know, a lot of people may know that they're getting a change in neurochemistry when we exercise that helps our body rewire our brain to adapt to stress us better and also helps with you know our, our neurochemicals or neurotransmitters like dopamine noradrenaline serotonin etc getting sunlight exposure is important for vitamin d and vitamin d has a big impact on our brain health and our neurotransmitters as well is there any other factors that oh and i guess you know nutrition is the building blocks for our our brain health and also balancing blood sugar levels, which can affect our mood dramatically as well. Any other things that you kind of like to explain to, to patients to say, you know, why this stuff is, it's not just, it's not just, um, there's some science behind it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And it's not just because we think it does help. There's some legitimate science of everything that it's doing. Is there anything else that you like to explain to patients in those areas? Yeah, I mean, I think all those, I mean, as a psychologist initially, I, uh, I, Use the psychological models of um, of kind of trying to identify or, or, you know the causes of, of depression or anxiety or other mental health conditions and you know issues around thoughts and belief systems um, can affect our mood and and while that's I still believe that um, what we do know is that um, any stresses um, can have a negative impact on our physiology so even if we're thinking and stresses can be real um, in the sense that it's actually happening in our environment or it can be imaginal so it's happening in our head so the body doesn't really the body responds in the same way whether you think there's a line or whether there really is a line out there your body's going to respond in the same way it's going to release stress hormones and, and impact on a whole bunch of different physiological processes so so it, what we know is that stresses whether they are physical environmental medical imaginal 
um, they dysregulate or have a negative impact on um, on inflammation, which you've mentioned. Um, they uh, so I'm trying to reduce inflammation through that. Um, the other thing that uh, we're seeing with the research is that people with uh, your mental health conditions also have excess levels of free radical damage or what we call oxidative stress. So, um, and eating, you know, diet and, and stress and poor sleep can increase kind of free radical production. So we want to reduce free radical production and, and all those different factors that we've talked about reduce free radical production. Um, the other one, too, is that uh, people with depression and anxiety kind of have a, a disturbances in levels of kind of stress hormones, you know, such as cortisol, for example, is one of our, our primary stress hormones, and there's imbalances in that. And all those different facts, again, um, have an impact on cortisol, so poor sleep and, and even eating uh, unhealthy diet impacts on cortisol levels. So we want to, again, regulate the cortisol um, there's even research to show that, uh, you know, obviously those factors also affect our neurotransmitters. Our neurotransmitters are our brain chemicals that affect mood and important neurotransmitters include serotonin and dopamine. And all those different, even, you know, factors, diet, sleep, exercise can affect our neurotransmitter production. And then finally, the other one too, or there's a few others, but the other one is too is even our mitochondria, which is our kind of... Um, our, I suppose they produce energy in our cells and people with depression and anxiety have kind of disturbances in their mitochondria and therefore their energy production is impaired. And what affects mitochondria? Sleep, exercise, diet. So it all, there all is a science to it. You know, it's all about engaging in lifestyle environmental factors or influences, trying to change those so we can normalise our physiology and which affects our mood. Hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. So just you're really looping back there to just reiterate how important it is that these things are supporting all the functional aspects of our health and how they also then support each other. And I, th I think you're producing a pretty convincing argument to make sure that we're getting enough sleep and exercise and time outdoors and um, eating well, etc. So with that in mind, how do you get people to be able to have the time to be able to make these changes? I, I, you know, I know that a lot of us are busy, especially we may be feeling overwhelmed if we're suffering from anxiety or depression or some mood disorders. How do you help people implement these changes in their life? Well, you know, I think it, you know it's really important to to sit down and 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 work out where do you want where do you want to be, why are you doing this, you know, what changes, what type of person uh, do you want to be in the next six to twelve months? Um, how do you want to be different physically, emotionally, socially? And so, there's your kind of your your, your where we're heading towards. Um, and you know, it's, you, so you need a, a direction to move towards. It's like kind of driving a car without having knowing where you want to go. You just keep driving. So let's work out where it is. Where is it that you want to be? And then, how do we get there? Um, you know, what changes need to need to be made for you to kind of be there? And that might take some time. It might take twelve months to eventually become that person. It might take you know even longer for some individuals. It might be a shorter drive for for others. And then we kind of go, okay, well, let's you know, let's set some goals. Okay, um, what goals can can you set based upon the barriers that are there? We've got to consider the life that you've got, uh, the stresses, the pressures you already have. Let's just set some small goals, um, realistic goals that you can make this week that uh, can move you towards that direction. And that might be dietary goals, it might be social goals, it might be timeout goals. Um, 
are there any particular skills that you need to learn to um, to get there? You know, do you have to learn relaxation skills, um, cognitive behavioural skills? Um, so it's, I think it's just setting small goals every week. If you can get one or two percent better every week, after ten weeks you're twenty percent better. You know, and and that's going to have a really profound effect on on your mood. And I think that's the way we've got to go. You know, People kind of think, you know, with exercise, for example, going to the gym, you don't go to the gym and you've got muscles by the end of the first week. It's, <laughs> it's a gradual process. Um, and, you know, and it's probably, I don't know what it would be, you know, 1% increase in muscle every every week would be brilliant. Um, and that's the same here. Let's slowly move towards getting you to be where you want to be and then uh, working from there. So really breaking that down to small incremental goals. Yeah. and not getting too overwhelmed by what the end result looks like. And I like your analogy there about saying, you know, it's a, it's going to be a drive and for some people that may be a six-month drive, some people that may be 12 months or longer and it's being really clear about where we're trying to head and then breaking that down into little steps and intervals. That sounds fantastic. And then probably are you working with those lifestyle factors and, and saying, well, look, sleep is really deficient. That's probably where we should be starting and let's try and put our focus in the small inter- incremental goals there as opposed to social engagement. That look that looks like it's probably fairly good and you've got good social support. So let's sort of itemise the areas to focus in the life as well. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right, yeah. Fantastic. And any um, apps or websites or resources that you've found that are useful to help with people implementing these changes, keeping track of these changes and their success, um, or, or gaining further information on this stuff? Yeah, look, I mean, um, yeah, there's, there's there's lots of good um, programs out there, and uh, you know, even. You know things like your you know, relaxation therapies and things like that. You know I, I'll use a lot of apps uh, for people, so your breathing apps, and I'll get them to download that. Um, you know, there's even kind of you know good programs for cognitive behaviour therapy and things like that. Um, and I've also created a uh, uh, a treatment which I've termed personalised integrative therapy, um, which um, looks at all those different areas. You know, so I suppose it's kind of an online program that people can do. Um, where they, you know, they, it's a six week, six session program where they basically um, set some goals for themselves. I kind of provide some education about in a particular area, and then they kind of set goals for themselves in the, in that area for that week. And it's a very behavioural program where they kind of make small changes every week in all those different areas in that integrated approach to diet, nutrition, the lifestyle environment, the, the medical, physical, the psychological, and we kind of work towards that. So. So, you know, there's different online uh, uh, programs out there. There's apps and there's a whole bunch of uh, things that uh, if people are interested. Fantastic. And with your um, with your online program, that's like a self-paced. People can, you know, like, basically join up to that and then they can watch the videos and, you know, read the information and, and sort of pace themselves through that and then you've, they've, they've got your information there as required. Yeah, yeah. So they get a, they get a workbook with it um, where, you know, they kind of, Sits or you know, there's a kind of a, a slide that they watch, and then they've got the workbook where they complete exercises. It's a very active program, so they complete exercises, uh, the questionnaires, monitoring forms, so a whole bunch of different things that they do. And then at the end of the session, they kind of set goals for themselves. And then, um, then next week, they listen to another uh, video which, which provides kind of education and information in another area, and you complete other kind of ratings and, and 
and questionnaires and things like that. So it's, it's uh, yeah, I, I suppose I've crowded it because um, my concern is that, um, you know, what is lacking is that, that truly integrative approach. You know, many people talk about it, but we really want to make sure that we're targeting all those different areas. And if we can have practitioners who are trained in, uh, in, in being able to deliver uh, a truly integrative approach, and they might not be an expert in the psychology, but you know they provide they can provide some information about how to make positive changes in that area, and that's how we're going to I think improve our treatments. Yeah, brilliant. That sounds like a really valuable resource for patients to be utilising if they're seeing their practitioner and they're getting some support through, you know, those lifestyle factors and their health factors. And then this program sounds like a great adjunct to that to be able to help them implement some of those behavioural changes as well and, and sort of breaking that down into achievable steps for them. So I can see that that's, you know, really, really useful. Um, in terms of specific apps that you might use, you mentioned breathing apps or um, cognitive therapy apps. Is there any particular apps that you like to um, draw patients' attention to? Oh, I mean, with the um, there's lots of relaxation and breathing apps. Um, so... Um, often, actually, you just uh, with my clients, we'll just uh, type in the word. Well, if we've got if they've got a uh, smartphone, we'll type in the word um, breathing, and and I just get them to download um, in the app store, download whatever kind of apps come up from there, and uh, and then I say download them because most of them, a lot of them are free, and try them out. See which ones, which one you you kind of connect with. Um, so some people like sound, some people like certain images. So just download. So type in the word breathing. And a whole bunch of breathing apps will come in and then download them, try them out. The ones you don't like, delete. So that's probably one thing that I get them to do. There's others out there like Smiling Mind and uh, uh, that are out there that uh, kind of use meditation and mindfulness stuff. Um, and again, you know, even typing in the word mindfulness um, and, uh, and downloading apps there. Um, there's other uh, CBT online um programs out there um i can't remember specifically uh the names but just type in uh on the on the web you know free online cbt um programs and and there's a couple of um, government-based organizations that uh that have deliver for free cbt online programs if people uh, want to do it online fantastic that'll be really useful at least gets our listeners pointing in the right direction, looking for, you know, breathing, mindfulness apps, CBT programs, um, and also looking for your program there, the personalised integrative therapy and how that can be used alongside their treatments as well. Um, that's been fantastic and really informative about just rounding out the importance of why we need to be using our you know, dietary interventions, lifestyle interventions, the importance of making sure that we're sleeping well, eating well, moving, spending some time outdoors, spending some time with friends, getting the rest of our health evaluated and how all of that integrates to produce a healthy mind and a healthy body. And I think hopefully helps us understand why it is so important to be making the effort and then you know in terms of making that effort it's about small little steps to to help us get to climbing that that big mountain is there anything else that um you just wanted to to add to finish up with adrian there no i mean i think i think um you know ultimately you know if if, if somebody is suffering from depression anxiety or other mental health condition then you know there's, there's effective treatments out there and it's really about you know, finding somebody that can help guide you in that process where you can identify the individual causes 
um, to depression and anxiety and then kind of working from there. So, you know, you know don't be disillusioned. If, you, if you've just received psychological therapy and that hasn't been effective, then you know, that doesn't mean that you're doomed to kind of struggle with anxiety uh, forever or you know, there's other options available. Um, so just make sure that you see somebody who is aware and, and uses an integrative approach. Couldn't agree more. Thank you so much, Adrian. And that's what we'll dive into in our next episode as well as talking into some of that, what's actually going on and what's the cause of some of these mood disorders and how can we, we, how can we be treating that holistically with specific interventions. So thanks so much again for your time, Adrian. No problem at all. Thanks for listening to Your Health Guide. Any resources or links discussed in the episode can be found at metagenics.com.au. To help you continue on your health journey, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And if you found this episode useful, please rate and review us. If you have any questions about how this information could relate to your health condition, please go and speak to your natural healthcare practitioner who can provide you with specific advice for your health needs.